Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Oh, stop dying, Mike. Stop dying, you guys. Hey. Well, they're not stopping dying. They keep dying. This is getting ridiculous. As Chuck uh, and I talked a few last week, and Chuck, you were you were feeling being a drug counselor last week, right? Yeah. It's getting it's really fucking rough out there, man. Yeah, I know for for the people that do this work last week when when the guys hit me up, I was just like, you know what? I've got nothing to say. I've just I'm just done talking today. And it was nice cuz Bob called to see what was going on, but it's just like Sometimes it's just, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And like all everything uh, pinnacled and all came together. And, and this has been another rough week, but at least I'm feeling more normal. Yeah. So I, I thought we'd do some talking for treatment professionals because I know there's a lot of there's certainly people, students that are listening to this podcast, like people getting into treatment and and because they text message me and ask me, call and ask me questions. So I know there's people that are in the field that listen to this podcast. And I, hmm. I think we forget how we have to take care of ourselves first. You're of no good to anybody else if you're just bitter and resentful or burnout or pessimistic or scared or or overwhelmed with all the death because and the reason why i named it don't die is because it's a deadly disease people are dying like never before every year is another onslaught of death this year it's going to be eighty-seven thousand, eighty-six thousand people in america died of drug uh, it's just incredible if you add suicide to that you're like over a hundred thousand people and those are our people. <laughs> those, those are us. And that's the people that yeah. we treat. And that's the people that we're counselors to and sponsor. And those are our friends. One of my best friends died a couple, about a week and a half ago of drugs at 62 years old, by the way. Kind of, kind of, that's kind of crazy to me that you could do drugs since you're 13 and die of drugs when you're 62. It's just still doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. And, and so, so one thing I had some great teachers when I started out and Buddy Arnold, uh, Buddy Arnold was first, Gloria Scott. I talk about them a lot in this podcast, but I didn't really talk about the doctors at Los Encinas that I learned from. There was one doctor in particular, his name is Michael Farino, Dr. Farina. And he just, he taught me so much about how to take care of yourself. This is just our job. We do the best we can you know, don't take it personal. Don't, you can't take this stuff, stuff home. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your ability to parent. Um, you've got to be able to, and this is interesting in a psych, in a psych world, in a psychology and psychiatry and chemical dependency world, we're, we have to compartmentalize. You have to be able to leave work at work. You can't take the sadness and despair and horrible sexual abuse stories and trauma and violence and, and the narcissism and rudeness of the patient. Sometimes you can't take it home with you. You just can't. It will kill you. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things they told me in chemical dependency school when I went all those years ago in 1999 or whatever was by 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 declaring becoming a counselor, you are increasing your chances in of relapsing because people who work in treatment relapse at a higher rate than normal population. That shocked me. And it shocked all the people in my class. So I was like, that's not true. <laughs> over the years, over the years, I've started to see the people who can leave work at work and go home and have a steak dinner. I know that sounds so gross, but that's what we used to say at Los Encinas. You know, you have to have the ability to do, do excellent at work and, and have passion and compassion. And you have to be able to get in your car. And by the time you drive home, you have to be able to enjoy dinner with your family. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's hard. It takes, it takes practice for sure. Right. Cause I think anybody that starts off in the first two or three years, you're just obsessed with helping people and your clients and you talk about them all the time and you're thinking about them all the time. And if somebody dies, it really crushes you and you cry and go to the funeral and whatever. And eventually you just start to be able to, I guess it's compartmentalized. Is that what it is, Chuck? Kind yeah, of. It, it is. It is kind of what it is. Cause you kind of, you got to put it on the back burner, you know, it, and that is, that is the hard line to, you know, you want to remain vulnerable enough to be able to have empathy and to be able to be with them on things, but then you have to be able to shut it off. And that's why, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't jump into working in the field when I first got sober this time around. I'm glad I got to build like a, a me and find some balance because it's also easy to get overworked in this, in this industry. It's really easy to, uh, you know, whether it's through ring central or whether it's your personal line to have clients, you know, hitting you up day or night. And then as you get further along, it's other employees asking questions and doing things. So the idea of it being, a nine hour a day job like most is no, that's off the table. So you have to have good personal boundaries and you have, but you have to be willing to go the extra mile every once in a while too. I think I just allowed myself to get overextended, you know, and I, and I could feel it, but it didn't make me want to get loaded, but I've been sober a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make you want to get loaded, but it does. It, it, I get in a bad headspace if I do it too much and I, I start to feel unappreciated. What the fuck am I doing this for? No one else is doing this. It, it, it also, strangely enough, if I'm going to a lot of meetings and I'm overwhelmed at work, I start, I start this, this poor me platform in my own mind of like, <laughs> all these AA people don't fucking do what I do. You know what I mean? And you just start being cantankerous and angry and miserable, at least I do. And I started to say, you know, I started getting confrontations. This was like seven, eight, nine years ago. I get in confrontations almost on purpose to, for me to be able to say my piece to these, you know, these big gurus of AA. Like, yeah, yeah, I got, I got 25 people that I see every day who are in the first 30 days of treatment of, of, of sobriety. <laughs> Right. And you got one and you just talked for 20 minutes shared about how great you are for sponsoring one person. I just used to get into tit for tats like that. With guys. <laughs> and then I just, I started to say, you know, I can't do all this. I can't be sponsoring six guys and be 
in, you know, individually counseling six or eight people and working in treatment. I just can't do it. It's just too much sadness and too much, it's too much neediness and it's too much uh, codependency on my part and guilt. And so I really, about two years ago, I really took a step back. I guess it's like three years ago now. No, it's not that long. Two years ago, took a step back and immediately I felt guilty. I don't know if you've done this, Chuck. I started to feel guilty, you know, like I'm really not doing groups because I made the decision not to run groups anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like I, I've been I had up until two years ago when I made a decision not to run groups anymore. I had been running groups since 1999 <laughs> every week, every day, sometimes, sometimes two and three times a day for 20 mm -hmm. years for 20 yeah. years like yeah. that's a bit much i there's nothing there's nothing said in a group that i haven't heard before <laughs> right. like, you know what i mean i, and, I love yeah. i love the occasional weirdo that just blows me away with some oddball answer but that doesn't happen very often and i mean there's like 30 groups that i'm comfortable running and i do at least one a day five days a week when we're on quarantine stuff sometimes i'll do two uh, I've done as many as three a day when we're when we're quarantining in the houses to keep them all from mixing at the center. But it, it gets it's it's exhausting on the person and it's it's exhausting on, you know, I think I feel like I'm jipping my sponsees, my AA sponsees sometimes because I'll tell them, you know what, man, I, it's <laughs> you're a big boy. Figure it out. You know, I'll give them like five minutes on the phone and then I'm like, uh, didn't you hear your answer? Let's do this because they're not new. I don't think I could deal with a new guy and working in treatment and raising a kid and making sure my wife's needs are met and being a son and a brother and all those things, you know? So I think the most important thing to tell people is don't feel guilty. Like, you know, you do the best you can. And, and I don't know. So when I feel myself feeling like guilty or I didn't call somebody back or I didn't go the extra mile, like I need to cut myself some slack. I, I, you know, I usually do. Here's the thing. I'm not perfect. I usually do get back to people and I usually do try to help get them into treatment or I usually do try to help, but sometimes I can't. Sometimes I have to be a dad. Sometimes I have to just veg out and read a book about a, you know, I'm reading this book about this mass murderer woman I told Mike about it. It's crazy. The woman killed 600 people. Like, you think he got what? mass murderers now? Like in the 1600s, <laughs> they had real mass murderers. <laughs> That's like impressive. Insti institutional like mass murder. But, but I just have to badge out or I have to watch, you know, television or just like not deal with it for a night or two. And you were going through that last week and it made me think we haven't talked about that in years. We talked about it. I know that we've talked about it on the podcast before to put the mask on yourself you before you help others, and, you know, to make sure to take care of yourself. But, but really under these trying times, I know that people are running more groups. I know that, the insurance industry is insisting that you see people in one-on-one -on -one physically now the last six months. And All right. so we have people running zoom groups and then they have to go out to the facilities to go see them one-on-one -on -one and document, then go back to the outpatient building, document that, or, mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? It's just like the staffs are working a lot harder through the COVID epidemic for a pandemic. For sure. They are. 
Right. And, but yeah, but yeah, you know, what are you going to do? You do what's in front of you to do, right? So you do what's in front of you to do and, and you hope it gets better. And, and it does. And it's just, uh, you couldn't have said it any better. The, the, the idea that you have to, you have to do certain things one-on-one. So you've got to N95 up and you've got a distance and you've got to do all, all this stuff. And none of it feels right. Anyhow, I feel bad, but people are getting and staying sober though. That's what's, that's what's amazing to well, me. I think there's a real golden, there's a, a whatever it's called. There's a there's a like a really positive thing here, which silver is lining? people are yeah silver lining. People are staying staying in treatment longer because they got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. That for sure is happening. We our lengths of stay are up like eight days. Like so, people are staying because they can't. They're not going to go back to work. They, there's nowhere really to go. Um, you can't, and a lot of our population, a lot of your population of wavelengths is young, uh, young mm-hmm. people don't want to go live with their older parents, or maybe there's a grandparent living with their parents. So there's been just this really, you know, kind of cool byproduct of all this, which is people aren't, aren't, aren't so eager to discharge because they got nowhere to go. Right. I actually just had that happen today with a client where it was like, well, I'm probably going to go live with my mom and then talk to mom. And mom says, not until COVID's over. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So so you're going to need to get yourself a job, Slick. That's <laughs> and, a fucking long, that could be, that could be a, a year. That's a person. Uh, might not be, you, know what, like, you know what mom just said? You ain't living here the rest of your life. <laughs> Well, yeah, once they get a taste of being on their own, they're, they're going to want to be on their own. That's the thing is people are afraid more than anything, right? Yeah, I think people are, people are, yeah, people are doing soul searching for sure. They're doing soul searching, meaning they're kind of questioning. Well, I know a lot of people are questioning whether they want to live in California. I've had two friends move away already. I have a couple other friends are considering moving away. I talked to friend of mine this morning that that doesn't want to live in la anymore so people are really this might you know there's a lot there's always things are always fucked up and great at the same time i think so so people that were stuck in like the silver lake mount washington go round and and you know going to the same coffee house and you know all that kind of stuff COVID has made you think like, why do I pay twice as much rent to live in a certain part of LA? You know what I mean? I could just, I could just as easily live in Alhambra with a nice house for, for half this. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of friends. A lot of friends are going through that. They really are. No, well, acquaintance of mine said they're moving to Palm desert because like you can get a beautiful three bedroom house with a swimming pool for like $2,000, 2,400 a month. In, in Silver Lake or Mount Washington, you get like a duplex, two bedroom, one bath, 900 square foot for 2,400. And the <laughs> yeah. work, the work thing being all kind of rearranged and rethought about, you know, that's made people think like, yeah, do I really need to live in, in the most expensive parts of Los Angeles? People are really thinking that way. And I would imagine they're thinking that way in Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach is expensive. Yeah. You know, well, if we could just keep the people from coming down who don't live there, it'd be even a better place. But I mean, <laughs> I, the, the, 
The weekends are from, nuts. Do you mean people from Pomona, where I live, are coming to the beach on the weekends? Well, Scott? if they if they came to the beach, that'd be cool. Come down, jump in the water with us, feed the sharks with your kids. I don't care, whatever you got to do. But <laughs> but don't but don't go stand on the pier and uh, and make a mess of things, please. Oh, is there more protests going on? Are they protesting masks? Are they protesting uh, the election? I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to zero in. I've tried to stay out of it. I've tried to not watch the news as much as I can. Uh, what are the, what's on the what's on the uh, dumbass agenda these days? Let's the, just check the, in. The DAG, the dumbass agenda, the, the dumbass agenda, the DAG. They uh, they're, they're on the team of um, flag face cow horns. You know, <laughs> they they're going to storm the Capitol and and cause the a revolution. Of Huntington Beach. They're going to no, storm no, but, no, that but, that stucco building that Mike but, and I but, have been arrested in so many times. Okay, well. You know our our buddy Tito, <laughs> you know got erect uh, got erected got elected to the city council and he's mayor pro tem right? Oh and, my god! I know, so it gets better. <laughs> and and he went to the first meeting that they had with him as an actual part of this thing, and they told him he had to wear a mask. So he spent six hours outside in his car because he refused to wear a mask to go into the thing. So. You've got a, man, a that, man of science. Is he a man of science? He's a oh, he's a man of compassion. That's what he is. You know, I, I watched that guy uh, Schultz saves America on Netflix, and I laughed through the whole thing because he just pokes holes in both sides. But the the, the whole anti-mask thing is just I I just I still don't understand it. But there's still a bunch of those people, and they they come and and you can tell because on uh, Monday. Through Thursday, I'm down there and everybody's being nice and polite and wearing masks and being cool and everything is good. And then on Friday afternoon, everything just changes. And it's like that and all you, weekend. You're right there on the pier, right? You're like one block yeah. away from the pier. Yeah, like 100 yards. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the problem. You just see the epicenter of it. But I, I bet you down at Bolsa Chica, there's not any trouble. Nope, no, it's quiet. I rode my yeah. bike there the other night. <laughs> no, and it's, the only problem is the electric bikes now on the bike path. You know, so it's just like oh, I'm not can't complain about everything. I yell at them <laughs> as they I go by. I just too. yell at them. Shut it. Slow down. Really loud. Oh, they, oh, the electric bikes are not allowed on the bike path. No, they are, and they go really fast, and it's kind of dangerous, and, you know, I mean, it's just a bunch of a-holes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just the same thing. So it's just like every place has its problems. It depends on whether I'm looking for the good or the bad, right? And, you know, but I don't live in Huntington Beach proper, and I haven't lived in Huntington Beach proper Chuck, what for are you doing, man? Are you filling years. up your vape or something? You bet your sweet bippy. Wow. Oh, there you go. I, I'm serious. I mean, everybody thinks I'm so edgy and angry all the time. You should have seen me. You seem incredibly years. fucking calm. Bob. You should have seen me 10 years ago when I was living in Laurel Canyon. Like everything was a bummer. I, 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 Chuck, I'm Chuck is you, more worked up than you are. Stress, Bob. I'm telling you, the stress of keeping up with that Laurel Canyon lifestyle bullshit like was incredible. <laughs> And then we were waves, waves. Uh, it was interesting. So waves had a shortcut. Our street was a shortcut, right? Right in Laurel Canyon where Mamas and Papas and Crosby, Stills and Nash and all the coolest shit ever. Neil Young. And 
it was like, you know, I lived there like, you know, that's where I thought I needed to get in life to prove that I was sober and that I had turned my life around and I was a success. And so, but our street became, and so the, the stress of trying to maintain that lifestyle is, is incredible. Like you're living beyond your means every hour of every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not just like right now, I'm maybe living beyond my means by a week there you're living beyond your means by 28 days like you're broke all the time <laughs> yeah. right and so this but you look good and, and everybody everybody looks thinks you're rich and yeah. successful so it's really important so i have this two parking slots that are right across the street from the elementary school and so many times when i i would uh drop elvis off at his preschool which was up over the hill and I would come back, people were parked in my in my driveway because they're just dropping their kids off for a few minutes. You know how many times I lost my mind for no reason at some poor mom just late getting her kid to school? <laughs> then waves came and they started giving this, because Laura Canyon's a very Travis area morning and evening trying to get in and out of the valley in LA, right? So waves, that thing that tells you shortcuts, started oh, ways, telling every yeah. ways what's it called is ways. it called ways yeah not waves with a v no, i don't ways, even know what it yeah. is so they started coming up our street and there's a stop sign but they wouldn't even stop because they're on ways and they're trying to get somewhere faster than they should and so they wouldn't stop at the stop sign a couple times it was scary <laughs> with elvis we all know we almost got hit by people not stopping just rolling and blasting up the hill going fast and so I went um, to a thrift store that I'd seen, the one that across the street from the Palladium, and I'd seen they had all these mannequins for sale. I went and bought a mannequin, and I sat <laughs> hidden in the trees right by, my, by the base of my house, and I throw the mannequin out in front of cars so it wouldn't stop at the stop <laughs> oh, That's a great idea, man. <laughs> right? I like it. And the, you know, the horrification, like, cause they jump out, they slam on the brakes immediately and they jump out of their car and they're looking under their car thinking they ran over a kid or something. And it's a mannequin. And I go, ah, ha, 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 and I go and pull the mannequin out from under their car. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, there's a stop sign. <laughs> you know I mean? So, right. so that's what LA did to me. Once I moved out to Claremont, things got a little, lighter i mean i got a lot better like i let people go on the freeway people are you know i took the rv out this weekend and and uh i would i you know i don't like to drive near the truck so i'd be in the second lane sometimes i'd be in the third lane if i could really get up speed to like 75 or whatever and people would be tailgating <laughs> me i would just get right over i know i'm not going fast enough i wasn't mad at him i didn't have road rage or whatever i knew i'm driving this rattle trap rv down the road and they got places they got to get <laughs> right so and besides so, it's quieter for you when you're going slower go slower i yeah, check you know yeah so i just found out why the rv was for sale when you're driving 65 70 down the road the thing is so loud with everything in the rv rattles the, the out cupboards rattle the kitchen rattles it's so loud it's like the loudest it's like a noise band it sounds like throbbing gristle and you're driving down the highway 
that was that was a good that was a good uh, simile. Sounds there. like an Einstein Nurbotten concert. Einstein Nurbotten. What's a Rams Ramstein concert? Yeah. yeah. Hey, so I ha- I have I have this funny like picture of you pack you know like spending all this time packing that thing full of like dishes and perfect little yeah, things. Yeah, it's all, all got kinds- everything. It's got everything you need. It's got everything. everything. You packed everything in it, and now it all just rattles like. Crazy. It rattles like crazy. <laughs> and I, Maybe paper at first, plates. At first, when we got on the highway on the 10 going out, we were going out to the desert, I kept saying to Chrissy, is there something rattling back there? And the faster <laughs> I went, there's just more, there's just rattling from, from four directions, Chuck. The doors are rattling, the cupboards are rattling. It's just like rattle trap. It's, it's just, it, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen with RV. I, 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 well, so where did you take it? You said you Capone went to the desert, desert and, and got a place to stay. And then and then we just rode it down there. We didn't camp. <laughs> yeah, so you got an RV and didn't camp. And it, but you, yeah. you took it. So you could have taken any car to the Airbnb. Yeah. But what, what I'm thinking is, no, but it's cool because Chrissy can lay down. She's pregnant. She can lay down on the bed. Elvis and Sid were up in the top bed. Everyone had fun on the drive. But me, I'm driving. It's so loud. Rattle trap. And and uh <laughs> And then I'm just thinking, oh, my God, how much duct tape does it take to make to quiet this? It's just impossible. You know, like even the tire on the back bumper, you could hear it rattling. It's everything. <laughs> everything rattles. You, you need to get some noise-canceling headphones. And That's what it. I said. Like, Bluetooth <laughs> headphones we need. So Then you can hear nothing. But, uh, but I really do believe that people are rethinking their lives and what they want in their lives. And do you want to keep up with the Joneses? And do you want to live in the hipster part of town? And do you want to have uh, a job in, in a fancy, uh, you know, rehab on the West side and have to drive an hour every day um, to go to work in this, ru- in this ru- rush hour traffic? I think it's making people really rethink their lives. And I think that's great. I think it's a a plus to all what's going on. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I just think there's always something good going on when something when a bunch of shitty stuff is going on. Right. Little, and yeah. and just, you know, all my liberal friends are all bent out of shape about what happened in the Capitol. It was frightening. It, I'm not I, Anybody who says that wasn't frightening is delusional. They were there to kill Nancy Pelosi. I have no doubt about it. If she would have been walking in the hall there, they would have beaten an 80-year-old woman to death. It's frightening. But on the other side of it, it, this is a civil war in the Republican Party. I don't care what. I think as as a Democrat, I just like put my feet up on the desk and like, okay, you guys figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you got some problems over there. You got part of your party is like, uh, you know, kind of out of their minds, right? And so, yeah. so I wasn't even really upset about that. I was glad that nobody got hurt. I was just, uh, when you see what was going on with those people in those hallways and things they were saying. I if, heard there were if, four people that died. Yeah, but because they held the Congress and they all escaped down the escape route. But if they um, were to come in contact with OAC or Bernie Saunders. Yeah, but or, how, how could that have happened? I'm surprised they got in. It was all. an inside job. Uh, it was an inside job that the Capitol police were in on it. They're Trumpers for sure. For sure. It's an inside job. You watch, you watch, mark my words. There was, that didn't happen by accident. No fucking way. That That's was crazy. planned. That happened. 
Now, you know, well, to answer few, Bob, yeah. to answer Chuck's question, when that uh, when the poor woman that got killed, of course, she decided to jump over the last barricade and climb through the window of their last stronghold before the cabinet where all the senators and congressmen were. And she was the first through and she got shot in the neck and right. she fell backwards and it stopped the whole thing. And the fact is that a, a, a majority of a certain party marched into the Capitol and killed people. A uh, it was a majority Republicans. It's not Democrats. There was oh. no Democrats oh, okay. marching on it. So that is the problem of that party. Mm -hmm. Right. And it you it, it, when it comes all out, what 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 happened? I mean, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to say, uh, oh, yeah, this is the grand old party of 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 Abraham Lincoln. It's going to really be hard to say that. Yeah. Right. It, it, and now it, the focus it, is on Twitter and free speech and all that, you know. Twitter is it, a for-profit company. So you can't come into Wavelengths or my rehab and say a bunch of racist stuff. We have the right to kick you mm -hmm. out, kick you off the property. It's the same thing that Twitter's doing. And, and you know, whatever, whatever happens, I just think this is a Republican Party problem, not, not in the United States of America problem. It's not a, it's just, it's just a part of the, you, you, you buy the ticket, take the ride, right? Buy, they bought the ticket with Trump. They take they take the ride. They're riding to the end of the road. You know, there's no, there can't be any corporate donations to the Republican Party right now. You can look across like it's like a thousand. You know, it's like three hundred major corporations have said they are not going to give money to the Republican Party. Yeah. So without money, you can't do much in politics in America. Maybe this will lead to 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 reform of of how much money we can spend on elections wouldn't that be wonderful that would be great so i'm just in an optimistic mood i'm in an interested mood and a curious mood and i'm really in a concerned mood for the treatment professionals out there you know there we go that that like they're working twice as hard they're working with a population that is really difficult emotionally to work with right Mm -hmm. And and then and let's be honest, it's not the most re financially rewarding job either. Hey, right? can I ask something? And are 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 you guys like considered healthcare professionals because you could get the the COVID yeah, vaccine? Yeah, but it's right? so complicated. Have you tried to do it, Chuck? It's so complicated. Yeah, like why I know, does, I, why does uh, the United States have to make everything so fucking complicated? So I'm 59. Because of bureaucracies. <laughs> yeah, I'm 59, and, and I have to go through the same thing that any tech has to go through. And so then I got the paperwork to sign up with the county to be on the list to get a healthcare worker vaccination. And then finally, halfway through, I was like, hey, fuck this. I'll just stay apart from people and wait until they start more widespread uh, immunization. Like, it's just so much headache. So much right. headache to just get a shot. Uh, I think you should fill out this stuff and go through the process and get it. I man. did, but they're supposed to call you and who knows how they call you or when they call you. Have you have you gone down the road further, Chuck, than I did? You fill out the no, county I, stuff? I passed the uh I passed the buck on that one. And I know that our uh HR department is looking into that for for us to actually do it on site. So 
It, well, that, Chuck's, like a young, Chuck's like a young buck. He's like 35 or something. To do it on site? <laughs> yeah. It's good that, through that our could, nursing staff. That could take months, though. Right now, yeah, but, is, right now, you can just sign up. You're on the county list. They're supposed to call you and tell you your appointment and where, and then you're supposed to go get it. Um, yeah, a couple of our nurses have gotten it. Um, and, I, you know, it's just it just seems so crazy. Like, you got all these... Just get them out and have people take them. What, why does everything have to be so politically correct? Who gets what? it first and who's why more Why can't we go to Dodger vulnerable? Stadium like they do for the tests? Why can't we just line up in cars and just go through yeah. a line like that? If, since it's supposed because to be we're trying to make it. it super fair and super politically correct. Or just so send it to me in the fucking mail. I'll do it myself. You there can. You go. It's got to be know. frozen stored. It can only be out in the air for twelve hours. Yeah, but I know how to hit myself up. You know, you know who did get. Uh, <laughs> you know who did get it is, is Elvis's mom, Sam. She got it because uh, she works in a hospital. So I mean, we'll see. I, I'm having some faith that after all this Michigan in Washington gets resolved in a week and a half, that there'll be a more clear federal guidelines and just like, like get everybody vaccinated that wants to get vaccinated if you figure here's the thing if you figure only 61 percent of the population believe in vaccines let's start with them let's start with the people who believe in vaccines <laughs> let's not yeah. con- let's not try to let's not try to get vaccines for people who don't want them how about that <laughs> like let's, put those, let's put those algorithms to work man and those people that have been anti-masking and anti-vaccine and just yeah, cut them out like, yeah let's, let's have the people take them believe. off the fucking list hey a simple questionnaire do you believe in science yes okay go get your vaccine <laughs> <laughs> That would be so great. That's a fair society. That's a, a, you know, do you believe in science? Yeah. Well, you know, I I just think because we're, you know, they talked about that, that the people that work in housing or um, housing type environments within the healthcare system should have been like first tier. So it was hospital. And that also included uh, what we do. Right, because we've yeah, got PHP no, and RTC. Sure, sure, for sure, residential treatment. Yeah, it's a, and it could every treatment center. I mean, you got the six bed limit, but the outpatient programs. When you have sober livings, where you're providing outpatient, I don't know if you you guys are doing that, right? We have like yeah. we have like 17 people out at uh, three houses that are all on the same property, uh, like. And the and the state is mandating that they be there, and we provide services outpatient wise to to them. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's like kind of like a high risk job right there. I would think you got 17, right. 17 people coming in off the street. Of course, we test, but uh, you know, I know that it. I know that I qualify. I just don't know how to you know navigate through the bureaucracy and idiocracy that's been created to who's 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 who gets it first and all that well the next great the next great plague i'm gonna know exactly what to do the next time a big one like this rolls through i'm gonna know how to handle it a whole lot better we're we're all gonna we're all gonna be better at dealing with the pandemic next time but but here's the thing i also know that i could probably make a couple phone calls and and i know some people you know some people we know the attic population 
you get like, hey, you know, where's some vaccines? Where can I get a vaccine? Who's got the black market hook, right now? Hook me up. Hook me up. Chiba, yeah, Chiba, Chiba, over here, over here. <laughs> yeah, I don't need it to be done by a doctor so it's a, there's a record of it. I just want to know that I'm not going to get it and pass it to somebody. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that, and then getting back to the masking and social distancing, that's all I've done. Mask and social distance. I've gone everywhere. I've been to Target a bunch of times. Vons. I've been to my kids' schools in the beginning. I've been to, um, you know, been to some Christmas stuff. I've been with family. I've been in all these kind of high-risk things that they tell you don't be in. All I've done is wear a mask and stay like a few yards away from people, and I haven't mm -hmm. gotten it. So I believe in that because I have experience with it. You understand? I didn't read it on Facebook, Chuck. I didn't hear it from somebody else who read it on Facebook. Right. I'm going by my life. I went to the desert. I was at gas stations. I was at supermarkets. I've been everywhere. I've been to Home Depot, as we know. I've been to the RV repair store a million times. I've been a million places in the last 10 months. All I've done is wear a mask and stay away from, stay, you know, a distance away from people. I don't shake hands. I, I give a knuckle, knuckle hit to my father-in-law and anybody that, that in that situation. I've gone to business meetings where no one's worn a mask, but we all sit six feet apart. I've been a million places and I haven't gotten it. You better touch wood real quick. That's a, that's a big statement. <laughs> no, because, because that's what works. Oh yeah, that's what that's what they've been telling me, you know, and and it is funny how we we can have we can have uh, an employee or a or a client that you know is feeling great, everything's fine. Then thirty days in, because of where we're located, they start feeling not so good. They get a headache or whatever. We send them to we send them to go get tested. They come back positive, but people they were sharing houses with and sitting next to in groups, even though we quarantine them until they're tested, they come back and they're, they're negative. So it, it's got, we just got to be, we got to continue to be smart. I don't know how it's spreading so rapidly or, or maybe if that's not even. No, it's a new version of it. That's more highly contagious for sure. That's one thing causing it. But I just, I really believe like, you know, just try to do your best. That's here's the thing. I grew up as a, as a as a generation where I was told constantly, just do your best. You know, whether it was when I'm going up there and the bases are loaded and there's two outs and I'm not a very good baseball player, my coach would just say, just do your best, Bobby. Get up there. Just do your best. Right? My, mm -hmm. my parents would say, just do your best. I, I you know, it's whatever chore I had to do. And I'd be overwhelmed, like, I don't think I can do it, or it's too much weeds, or blah, 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 blah. Just do your best. Um, in school, I was taught, just do your best. Just do your best. But here's the thing what's going on this last five years, Chuck. People are bragging about not even trying to do their best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, I don't I know. It's crazy, right? They can and tell with, you how to get every steps. government benefit there is, though. <laughs> Gloria Scott, when I went through the steps with her, she said, you know, I'd get all anal and OCD about it. And she'd say, just don't think about it so much. Do your best. You know, a list of amends, list of people I've harmed or whatever. She'd say, just do your best. We needed more of just do your best. What's wrong <laughs> with doing your best or trying to do your best? 
Why is everybody so anti trying to do your best, Chuck? Why is that? I, I, you'd have to ask them. I don't. I don't understand the the less I do, the the happier I am. The more the more money I can get on my EBD card, the less the less I have to look for work. The less I have to, you know. So you know you're in treatment and you're not homeless and you can't be getting general relief. Yeah, but I just did. Well, you know. God dang it. Oh, right. oh, how, how much is general relief? I, I hear you talk about it so much. When I was when I was homeless, it was two hundred and forty dollars, I think, total. I think they gave you part of it in food stamps and part of it in cash, like eighty dollars cash, one hundred and sixty dollars in food stamps. Is that kind of what it is now? Uh, I think the going rate for that, if you're not doing the unemployment and all that stuff is you just get like a $300 cash payout and then like another three on an EBT. Oh my God. So it's gone up almost double. So I was getting 240. I remember this was in 1995. I was getting $160 in food stamps and $80 cash for some reason. Is uh, that, is that what they're now they're doing 300 and 300? Uh, yeah. You get 300 and you get, you know, vouchers for, places to stay. You, you, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of assistance available for the people that really need it and for the people that just have no shame about taking stuff for free. The idea that there's free money is what I keep hearing a lot of. And there's no such thing as free money. It's, it comes from somewhere, you know? So, All right. So the idea that if it's out there and you can get it, then, it, it, then yeah, it's but free. Think about, think about that. If these people's goals are so low to to con the system out of 600 bucks a month. Like, isn't that kind of perfect? Like if that's what satisfies them to like lump around, like in misery, <laughs> all they need, all they, all they need is $600 and it makes them happy. I, I, I think we should keep doing that. I think. Well, thank God fentanyl is so cheap. <laughs> how much Maybe. how much how much of that three hundred dollars cash do they spend on fentanyl? Really? You don't have to spend that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Maybe that maybe that's why that stuff is has got such a big hit, is just because it's just so damn affordable. Is that what you know? Well, no, I got two calls for meth this week. Two oh, two people on meth. Meth is making a comeback, maybe. Let's hear it for meth. Let's hear it. Oh that. God, let's not. <laughs> Remember hey, that that stuff's insane. Maybe it doesn't hey, kill as many folks. Hey, I but got a question. How come they haven't made meth a, a, a version of meth that's five hundred times more powerful than meth? Because you wow. because you can't. Be, <laughs> what would that be like? Uh, you know, I don't think we want to see. But I can tell you that there was a guy, there was a guy that I saw down on Main Street today who was looking for a place who said he did meth but he was he was doing a weird walk and he goes i think there's pcp in it too and you know that you know, that that kind of walk where he doesn't he's not quite sure yeah. where the ground is and then it's like flaco, he... that flaco <laughs> stuff from florida remember that you know what <laughs> so here's a funny thing when I went to school, it was right when it was during the where George W. Bush was maybe going to be president. And he said that part of his platform was going to they're going to be faith based social services. Right. So I was in school with ministers, a lot of ministers who were trying to get their KDAX 
so that when Bush got elected, he would give all this federal billions of dollars to churches to deal with drug addicts. Do you remember this hustle that was going on? No. It was called Faith-Based Initiative. It was what one of W. Bush's programs. So I was in I was in (coughs) chemical dependency school with like four ministers. Right. Mm. And when they were doing and they didn't they had never really done drugs a lot of them and when they were just the the teacher was describing the different effects of certain drugs when it got to meth he talked about the euphoric feeling of methamphetamine and then he said in route of administration is snorting uh, smoking uh, inhalation or whatever and then when he went to he said in or intravenously and he said what that intravenous meth does on the human brain and how how pleasurable it is it lights up all pleasure centers in the brain and blah blah and so there's not and i remember he said there's not much there's not not much further you can go than shooting meth right (laughs) there's like nothing more you can do to your brain than that that's like the apex of of drugs right intravenous use of methamphetamine and I, I and this other guy that was had done a lot of prison time said, "Oh, speak the truth, brother. Speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you tell him." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we looked at the ministers and we're like, "You guys wouldn't even—you have no idea. You, yeah. no idea. <laughs> you know those spiritual experiences you've had. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that. You can have that for eight bucks." <laughs> You may you may talk a lot about God, but I done I hung out with him. (laughs) We used to buy Mike was around then too. We used to buy a quarter gram of speed for twenty five dollars, I believe it was. Yeah. Put split it into three lines, each get a spoon, me, Anthony, and Flea, and shoot it. And it was just like it was like leaving the atmosphere and going into outer space for like twenty minutes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And so, I, I, so you got to figure that's $8.33 each. Not very much. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good price. And Mike used to shoot whole quarter grams. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to him, Chuck. He doesn't yeah. want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I it had the that. weirdest thing, man, because when you used, if you were really into it, which I was for an entire year, I stopped shooting heroin and I just shot speed. I thought I was doing good. <laughs> and then well, the no weirdest thing is, is it starts to have the opposite effect on you. When I would do a whole bunch, I would just lay on the floor and almost, you know, in sort of like a gray sort of like not get amped out. Not it's weird. Really yeah, weird. The, it has a, it has a weird, um, it has a weird switch up on it, huh? Yep. You, 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 it's all you need is really three days sleep and a happy meal to get over it when you come down. But the, the idea that you could, I could do it and um, eat and all that stuff that wasn't happening at the beginning, you know, for a couple of years, I could, I could smoke all I wanted and it, 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 it was fantastic, but then I'm smoking it and I'm eating and I'm needing to put other things on top of it again. Uh, our bodies, I, I, we shouldn't be here fellas. And the weird thing <laughs> is, is I would write songs and I don't know if this is like a characteristic of it, but I would write songs and uh, then if I came down off the speed, I wouldn't be able to remember the songs until I did speed again. And then they would all come back, <laughs> all 
all the songs would come back and I'd be just singing all the songs. I'd be like, well, didn't, you, wouldn't you write them down, Mike? Yeah, sometimes, you know. I mean, I was living in a garage in a lot, like with a bedroom loft built in. And I had to wear That's this, nice. like, crash helmet so I wouldn't Where, bump my uh, head on the loft every time. I... In Long Beach or Hollywood? Long Beach. Oh, at Smitty's house? No, I lived with this uh, girl, Glennis, and she had a garage. And so I built a loft in there, but I kept bumping my head on the loft. And so I would wear a helmet every time I... <laughs> <laughs> would go in the, would go That's in there fantastic. and start riding and shooting speed i would wear this motorcycle helmet good for you make sure not to hurt yourself yeah i didn't want to hurt myself so i think i think just by what i'm hearing I think speed's on a comeback. Hopefully, that will save some lives. Oh, uh, that's a bad. <laughs> What's yeah. the name of our show, Jeff? Well, What's yeah, the it's, goal it's don't of die, our message? But, but I wouldn't put that out there because I don't know that that's true. No, I wouldn't put uh, that out there either. I, really, I, it's not I, true. I, no, I don't. I, that's what that's what a lot of the people are doing. Is they're going, man? I didn't think I'd I didn't think I'd fall out because I did a bunch of meth along with my fentanyl, and that's their idea. It just, they, and they the would fentanyl actually, kills you anyways. It, it's it stops your breathing even if your heart's going off. I don't know oh the my medical. God, you're kidding me! No, because the 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 meth doesn't doesn't control your breathing. The opiates depress the breathing, which you know causes the the problem. So when you're not breathing, you uh, you have oxygen deprivation anyhow. At least that's what I'm I'm hearing. I don't. Oh I'm my not god. A doctor. So there's no way around this kind of crazy fentanyl thing, but through what what do you think is going to wake people up? Um, they're going to want to live because that's the ones I talked to. I was okay. So we were just talking about Long Beach, and I got a guy right now who goes. He went in. He rolled into Long Beach with some uh, tar, and yeah. everybody and everybody looked at him like like he just pulled out like. Uh, a 67 Corvette, you know, like it was like this classic that no one had seen for a long time and everybody wanted a part of because all they've got is fentanyl. That's it, just the, the tar is so hard to come by and so expensive in, you know, you, you don't have to do a lot of the other. And they're like, wow, hey, dude, you got some, let's do that. But I guess the heroin doesn't work once you've been doing that much fentanyl too. Holy God in heaven. So, yeah. When maybe we're gonna have to get to you know become better counselors, Chuck, to get these kids to get off this fentanyl. Maybe it's up to this next generation of counselors because we're getting tired. <laughs> oh, shit. you're a young man, Chuck. Yeah, come on, I'm fifty three, not thirty five. I used to know knew, know everything about drugs and pride myself on knowing everything about drugs and treatment. Now I can just say. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I was thinking if people got into fentanyl, I mean, into meth, it would save them from dying of fentanyl. And here, I don't know shit. I, it's crazy. It's time for me to retire, Chuck. I think it's time for me to retire. <laughs> I think you want to, but I don't know that you'll be able to because you care too much. And, and it's, it's, you're, it's a disease. The people that are thinking about doing it, we're a sick breed. And we choose to be around that that much sickness all Maybe, the time you know drugs come and go i'm thinking drugs ebb and flow and they come and go remember there was a crack big crack thing nobody does crack anymore they thought this world was ending because of crack in 1988 crack was going to destroy everything and destroy the universe mm -hmm. and crack 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 now there's no crack 
So it's fentanyl, 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 fentanyl is going to kill everybody in fentanyl, fentanyl. I'm just going to have a little faith that eventually fentanyl is going to go the way of crack. And hopefully uh, I, I think- when that happens, heroin will come back and then I'll be... I'll be valuable again because I know how to counsel <laughs> heroin addicts. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right because things have always, especially we've watched it happen with heroin time and time, opiates time and time again. Um, how often so, in the 80s did you hear about crack? Crack is the worst thing. Crack is killing people. People are killing people for crack. Babies are being traded for crack. Crack is the worst thing. And then all of a sudden for the last 20 years, there's not a mention of crack. Yeah, because <laughs> meth came back and meth and is way, way better. I was a big fan of crack, actually. It was, oh, you know. Me too. <laughs> Listen, listen Mike, to Sleepy. Mike, Mike says as he's past his bedtime at 8, 10 p.m. Yeah, I'm ready to go to bed, man. You got to tire me out. The, the, the meth shooting, motorcycle helmet wearing, crack smoking, heroin addict, guitar slinging Mike Mart is ready for bed at 8, right. 10 p.m. That, yeah. uh, that makes me happy, man. Uh, that know, is recovery. That's you, recovery. I don't know what you call it, Chuck, but I call that recovery. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, I like being well rested, but I would like to stay up too late a couple nights a week to go see music again. And I know that oh, that's that's coming someday, but the idea of hopping on the motorbike at like nine thirty and running out to see a band and then coming back and waking up the next day and being tired and having my ears still ringing, I. I I do miss that. Yeah, well, I miss it too. And the question is, where will we be driving to? I guess hopefully Alex's bar will still be. I open. think it won't be the observatory, from what I hear. Oh, that's okay. Well, right. Well, and, you know. <laughs> uh, and and here's the thing: I'm excited to find out what clubs are gonna be the cool places to see bands. Right. I know that the Fonda is gonna survive. I love the Fonda Theater. I don't know if you go there very often. Yeah. I saw no, the dam a, there. Cool I saw place. public. Here's the thing. <laughs> I at the at the Fonda like was my last reel because I lived up the street from there at Beachwood, right? That was my reel like go to. And so in a matter of a few months, a couple of years ago, I saw I saw Peter Murphy and Bow, you know, do Bauhaus. I saw public image with Johnny Lyden. John John Lydon. I saw the damned, right? Mm-hmm. It was 2018, but I saw all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the Bauhaus, Public Image, and and the Damned in 2018 at the Fonda. So I can't wait till the Fonda reopens so yeah, I can no, see those bands again. <laughs> the place has decent sound and has good parking. Yeah, it has great parking. And, uh, and it used to be, I used to live right up the street. Now it'd be quite a drive, but I'm willing yeah. to drive. How about that? You're, you can't wait to stay up. I stay up really late still, but I can't wait to drive 45 minutes to go to the Canyon Club to see Graham Parker and the Rumor, to go see <laughs> YNT. I love YNT. I love <laughs> Foghat. If Foghat's going to play, even if it's only the original drummer, I want to see Foghat. <laughs> it's an original roadie. And <laughs> I want to see, I see I, now it's going to piss everyone off. I want to see Ted Nugent. 
I want to see all uh, the bands of I can't all do the that. bands of the Canyon Club, and uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll go I with you to a, see Ted. Like, I can't you? do that. I'm, I'm refusing to do that. I'll go see Ted and Morrissey back to back. I, what about, hey, Morrissey's, oh, I got some Morrissey news for you. I don't know if I should share it. I might get in trouble. Morrissey is in Los Angeles right now making an amazing record from what I hear. And one of my best friends is playing on the entire album. That's exciting. That's exciting. That's exciting. Because when's the last time you really fully embraced a Morrissey record? Ten years uh, I ago? I love Morrissey. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm a just a dumb diehard fan. I listen. There's only been a couple albums I haven't liked. That's right. that's how. What's your favorite Morrissey song? Let's let's just leave with that. My favorite one is re, is a Smith song called "Reel Around the Fountain." You ever heard that song? Yeah, but oh, that's yeah. not Morrissey. That's Smith. That was off the first yeah. record. Yeah, it's about a, being yeah. it's about being molested. Re, listen to it again. Read the lyrics when you listen to it. Yeah, wow. slap me on the patio. I'll take it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's about being molested. So they came out of the box singing beautiful songs about depressing, horrible shit. That's what's great about the Smiths. Maybe the yeah. Smiths will get back together and play Coachella. You never know. Uh, I, I wish egos wouldn't get in the way of that. I, I think that would be fantastic. The Smiths. There's so many fun things to look forward to. Yeah, music. I say, I say music will be back by, let's do a prediction, by the end of summer. By September, there will be concerts. You know that uh, Morrissey has a song called Bobby Don't You Think They Know. That I'm by? <laughs> no, it says... <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the song, Bobby. Don't you think they know? I know. What do they know? That the guy is bisexual? Do you it know, is, Mike? Yeah. What is it that they know? Here's an interesting thing, Chuck, and we'll leave you with this. Mike Mart's one of the greatest lyricists that I've ever known. There's songs Bobby Kennedy and 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 uh, Take a Long Look and all these songs are just so beautiful. And when you know him as a person, it's just hard to understand how that works. You don't even know what that song by the Smiths is about or by Morrissey is about, do you? I do. It's about a, basically a coming out song. Okay, okay. So you do. Yeah, know. it's beautiful. Oh. But like every like Daisies in the Sunshine, well, the whole Tomorrow Looks Bright record is on my uh, phone. So every once in a while, Mike will jump into my drive and I, I always <laughs> go, God damn, this is a good record. Every time I listen to it, it's like I'm surprised. And I shouldn't be because it, it's been good every time I played it. That's a great record. What's on? What are the songs that are on Low and Sweet? I have the one record. The first record has great songs. Uh, Pencils and Shades. There's um... no your songs from before Low and Sweet. Oh, uh, well, that's hard for me to think. I can't remember. <laughs> There's so many of them. Well, you put a pen in his hand, and he's great. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that. Get a pencil. There's always a pencil, like a broken pencil, where he's biting on the end of it. Sharpen it. So, so uh, best by myself. Chuck probably doesn't know many Thelonious Monster records. Name any records, Chuck. Besides a beautiful mess. Besides. Uh... Name um, any song on and and any record. Uh -huh. and I'll tell See, you. What, and I'll tell you what it's about. I like the stormy weather song. I like. Uh... There's a song called "Nothing's Perfect" that was inspired by smog vomit. 
also known as Greg Boas, Mike's partner in in Texan the Horseheads. He was one of the first people to try to get sober. And he was sober for a few weeks and he came over to my house and I was like, what's it like? I can't even imagine what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And he was telling me, we went to Jack in the Box on Fountain in La Brea and he was telling me, I just remember it, he was telling me that getting sober didn't make his life perfect and that he still he got in a fight with his girlfriend didn't have a place to live and blah 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 so he was he was processing that sobriety doesn't guarantee you you know everything goes right right and that's what inspired that song nothing's perfect there's a lyric that says friend of mine was high for years he was high for most of his life two and two never equaled four two and two always equaled five he didn't listen back then, and he doesn't listen much today, except he's in more trouble now than he ever was in the past. That's smog vomit. <laughs> Gregory Boaz. Gregory Boaz. Um, yeah, that's a funny thing, man. You know, and he was one of the first ones of us to get sober. Yeah. I mean, he was sober like 10 years before I even thought about it. And then he it's relapsed. It's crazy, right? So he actually but I has remember less time him. I mean, quizzing him, like, what's it like? Like, what, you don't even drink? You know, that, like, that naive thing? This is probably 87. And he was the worst. Just the idea of not drinking. I couldn't get that through my head. Like, I understand not doing heroin. Heroin's kind of bad. It's expensive. It's got its downside, for sure. But drinking, but not right. drinking. Just right. seems, it just seemed insane to me. Yeah. <laughs> guy that wrote me a story from uh, Florida and he said hey do you remember me I uh, I put you guys up and I said yeah I do a little bit uh, he wrote me this story that smog um, and I were were shooting up and we were naked because we were with some girls and uh, and I thought it and I thought I took some of my dope so uh, we were got in this fight and I was chasing him down the street but you know completely naked and he was running ahead of me with the syringe shooting up just out of my reach. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can see stopping all that, but not drinking beer, Chuck. It just seemed ridiculous to me. Anyways, there's always this consistent theme of like those that need it don't see the value in it. Those that have it kind of cherish it. Then if you don't cherish it, you'll lose it. This constant unfolding of everybody's lives and everybody's sobrieties it's fascinating and i just want to say you know one of my good friends died of the disease of alcoholism and it like shook me it shook me yeah like i got the call and i was like oh no like part of me was just like fuck i can't believe that and then another part of me is saying like two months ago you said he was he was gonna die if he didn't get his shit together like it's shocking and sad and <laughs> yeah. tragic and and predictable and it's but one thing I'll say just like the COVID deaths that Dr. Fauci says all the time it's unnecessary if everybody just wears a mask and socially distance we'll have less death if everybody would just love addicts and embrace sobriety and encourage instead of preach more people would survive addiction hmm, right? I like that. All right, so All peace, right, love man. out. I'm going to watch basketball and check on my fantasy league. Hey, uh, thank you guys for being on the front lines and doing your work for um, for the drug addicts. Thank you, guys. Flea is beating me in my fantasy league basketball right now. I have to go check it. 
All right. <laughs> Happy New Year, you guys. I, heard it. I just lost to Klinghoffer last week. I lost to Josh last week. Now I'm playing Flea this week. All, All right. right. See you guys later. I got to pee. All right. Bye-bye. Right. See you. Bye. 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 Bye.